Welcome to the Talk of Sykeston. I'm Glenn Cantrell, and it's great to have you with us here uh, this weekend as uh, we talk about some training opportunities for uh, your business. We're talking with Brett Mullins with Sykes Department of Public Safety, and uh, we're going to talk about Alice training and what that is and what it means and, and how it can benefit you and your business. So, uh, Brent, thanks for being on the show. Thank you, sir. Uh, let's first talk about, and I, and I said this before we started, is I really like to talk to people about why they chose what they chose to do in life, and, and you, as a public safety officer in the city of Sykeston, what was it for you that um, that appealed to you, that, that line of work? I had a cousin that worked for Cape. I'd hear his stories, and it got me intrigued when I was a young kid. And in 99, I joined the Air Force, started law enforcement there, and then I Exited the Air Force in 2005 and started the police academy. Started Sykes in, in April of 06 and been here ever since. Was there a big difference between military police and, you know, uh, civilian police? There's not really a whole lot of difference. I believe probably one of the only calls I did not respond to uh, while I was in Air Force was probably a homicide. Otherwise, pretty much the same thing. Yes, sir. Just make sure everybody's... Doing the right thing. Doing the right thing, yeah. <laughs> Keeping people safe. <laughs> Keep Keeping the peace. Um, and you've been a police officer for how long? Almost 15 years at Sykes now. Wow. Uh, veteran. Yes, sir. <laughs> old guy. <laughs> old, old guy. Yeah, that's always a great realization when you're in a room, and at one point in time you were the youngest, and now you're one of the oldest. It's it's changed rapidly uh, last couple of years at Sykes. And... Has, has policing changed? I mean, 15 years and plus your military police experience, how has it changed? It has changed dramatically. I think one of the biggest was Ferguson changed policing, probably the biggest in, since I've seen it. More awareness of what you're doing, how you're doing it, that sort of thing? Everything from arresting people on city warrants to them being held in jail to not being held in jail. Different um, procedures have came out since then. So, um, obviously, one of the things I want to talk about, too, um, is the fact that you're a school resource officer. So, for people that aren't familiar with that, tell us what that entails. Uh, school resource officer, we have uh, three people assigned to the schools. I'm one of the three. Um, the school actually pays a little bit of our salary to uh, the city, and then we supplement three officers to the schools to work as kind of liaisons in the middle for the school and the police department. And I, you know, I've talked about this before, just, you know, in, when we're out and about. <clears throat> and one of the things that I think is interesting is, you know, one of the purposes of that, besides safety, is also relationship building with, with kids that, that you come in contact with. Yes, it's, it's, I never thought how great it would have been or how effective that it would have been by being in a school and then seeing kids at a scene or, um, somewhere like that, those kids come up and talk to me. I see them at Walmart or any other place in town, and those kids will come up to me. Their parents might not have a clue who I am, but that kid will come up and talk to me. Hey, that's my school resource officer, and the parent just kind of looks at me like I'm goofy. I'm like, hey, I know your kid from school. It's it's helped uh, tremendously with some of the scenes I've been on. We've had bad scenes and go there and just start talking to that kid, and that kid will at least it, at least that kid knows somebody that they're familiar with and they can start talking to you. It gives them a little more easy feeling, I guess, to talk yes. to a police officer. 
what um so you, police officer school resource officer and you just added something new and that is something called alice training so uh what does alice stand for it's an acronym yes and then also what is it specifically alice uh, stands for alert lockdown inform counter and evacuate and this is all about um like actor active shooting kind of they call it a critical incident it could be a shooting a stabbing uh anything that's somebody's doing bad to other people so yes it could be an active shooter and this uh, is i'm sorry go ahead active shooter or somebody stabbing somebody somebody doing something bad to other people just causing any kind of major incident within any type of business or whatever yes so um you know we kind of live in this uh Man, I hate to even say say this, but almost like a day and time where even a local business, uh, whether it be a mom and pop or or whatever, this kind of training is almost becoming kind of critical for for businesses when it comes to safety of the employees and safety of the people coming into the business. We're kind of seeing this training, uh, like Alice training, being offered because safety is such a big issue now in every business. I think it should be a norm. I'd rather prepare for the reward, the worst and not ever need it than never be prepared and you're wondering what you need to do if something bad starts happening around you. Because more you're informed, the better response you're going to have. Right. So uh, as a public safety officer, as you're going through this training, were there things that you learned that you saw that maybe you didn't know before or was this more or less kind of taking a lot of your knowledge and putting it into a different form of training it was a little bit of both uh i was actually one of the bad guys uh during one of the training scenarios and i've been shooting guns been a police officer for over 20 years now with my military experience so i was the bad guy i walked into the room shooting this nerf gun and they were throwing just stress balls that i knew they were going to throw at me and I was still ducking my head and moving my gun around, being distracted by just that simple thing. So if it distracts me, I think we could show that that's going to distract the uh, other bad guy or perpetrator that's coming in and do that uh, bad action, that you can fight that and get away. You know, it's interesting, too. When we think about this, and, and I think most businesses would say, oh, I would, that would never happen here. I would never really need that training. But if history tells us anything, you just don't know when something is going to happen. You don't know what's going to set someone off. You don't know what's going to cause them to come into your business and create you know, whatever kind of commotion they're going to create. And having this type of training, and, and especially with what you just said, which seems simple in a way, you know, to deal with something like that, but it's really important um, because you just don't know what's going to happen and and when. Right. I, like I said earlier, we need to prepare ourselves for something bad happening. I mean, I pray to God it doesn't happen, but let's be prepared if and when that does take place. We've had three school shootings within, what, 150 miles of this place? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Arkansas. Uh, Paducah and I know uh, what's the other one I can't remember. There's another one, right? MC is their uh, initials. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember. I know you're the, talking about the blue and orange. We've yeah. actually had people from Sykes and that no people that were involved in that one. Wow, no kidding. And that's I think predominantly when we think about these types of situations. Unfortunately, that's the first thought that comes to our mind is really schools, right? And not not a, not a business. And is that are there different things that you 
our training when it comes to a school versus a business, or is it all really kind of the it's, same? It's pretty much the same thing. I mean, you you could break it down to a warehouse that has, uh, say, Allen Wire. They're kind of set up similar to a school. I mean, they have a big part that you could call their gymnasium. Then they have office buildings that could be classrooms. You could set up the same scenario in a junior high or Allen Wire and show the same effect, and it's going to be the same result. So as you begin this Alice training, and let's let's just say we'll use Allen Wire as an example. Allen Wire decides they want to do this. What are some of the first steps? Do you do you work with them first? Do you go right in and do this training with all the employees? Like what are the steps you go through when you do this Alice training? We would show them a presentation first, uh, kind of a slideshow, and then do some scenarios with them. It'd take us probably an hour and a half, two hours to get run them through it. Which isn't bad when no. you talk about this kind of training because you you know almost think that could be an all day event really, but only hour and a half, two hours maybe. Yes, that's pretty good. And then give them some options of we just don't want people locking down like the old way, sitting there in a corner or hiding under a desk, like they're waiting for an earthquake drill or tornado drill. It's easy to go up and shoot people or stab people if they're just sitting in a corner or hiding underneath the desk. So the whole idea about this is that you're actually. I don't know what the word is, but you're you're taking action. This this isn't just going and hiding somewhere and hoping they don't come and find you. You're this is people taking action against the perpetrator. Yes, you either need to, like I said, you're obviously going to alert somebody that that could come later in the time or inform somebody later in time. But you're going to lock down if you have to. I'm not saying that's a good option or a bad option, but that's one of the options. You lock down. You could counter, which means you're going to fight them or stop them from doing that bad action or evacuate. If you're close to them, you might not have the time to evacuate, so you're going to either need to counter them by either taking control of them, throwing objects at them, hitting them, stopping them from doing that bad action, or uh, barricade that door, and we show them how to actually barricade and keep that door where it's shut. And with a little training, you can have that knocked down in 30 seconds, and you're have a pretty good spot that you're safe in and that seems to be and you were mentioning earlier about how um being a police officer has changed over the years but that that to me and maybe i'm wrong seems like a change in the thought process because used to it was don't do anything you know go find a safe place to be but now it sounds like they're saying if you have to you got to take an active role in this it doesn't most the pistol we carry carry 17 rounds it's a semi-automatic pistol. It does not take long for me to shoot 17 rounds. Mm. Two seconds, three seconds at most. If you're all sitting in a corner hiding, it's easy for me to shoot 17 people. Same with one of the bad guys. That was one of the Virginia Tech. He went out to the range and put targets on the ground and went by just shooting targets laying on the ground because that's what people would do. Wow. And that was him training himself for what he was about to do. Yes. Because we don't think about that, too. I guess we think somebody snaps his walk in, but in a lot of cases, Columbine would be one of those. This thing at Virginia Tech, they actually thought about it and thought about what they were going to do and planned what they were going to do before they walked in the door. Right. And so, we, I mean, we just don't know what their actions are, but there's steps that we can show you to increase your survivability. We're talking with Brent Mullen today about um, Alice training and uh, you know and how uh, you know a business can be a part of that and, and what it means and and before the break, uh, Brent, 
uh, we were talking about um, you know just having the the training and the right mindset to deal with these things and how you know the bad guys for lack of better terms they're they're planning it out they're thinking about you know what they want to do and how they want to do it sometimes um, I don't know maybe even a lot of times the guys that are doing this um, have knowledge of the inside of the building or knowledge of the people or knowledge of the process uh, that that maybe that business goes uh, through on a daily basis. So it just makes sense then that a local business or any business for that matter should be doing the exact same thing to try to prevent such a thing. Correct. Yes, let's prepare ourselves for that worst day possible. If there's easy, free training for that person, take advantage of it. Let us come show you some different avenues, keep you safer. I know you've got, you mentioned there's a business already that's in, in, uh, asking about it. Um, but if I um, have a business and I want to, um, you know, to, to get a part, be a part of this Alice training, like what, is, what does someone do? How does this all work out? They could contact me on my email, bmullin, B-M-U-L-L-I-N, at sykeston.org. I will respond back to their email. I also have a uh, school resource officer Facebook page at SRO Brent Mullen at Facebook. Um, I will answer either one of those. Uh, if you want the training or feel you need it or want to just talk about it, um, holler at me. I will be more than happy to set something up and try to get you scheduled in. Are there things that a business can do um, to try to prevent such things from happening? And, and what I mean by that is, you know, say cameras or even TVs that show that you have cameras. Any Are there things that are kind of preventive that may make someone think twice about doing something? I think people are scared to see their camera, but it, we see videos all the time. We, we get alerts and emails of robberies or stealing that are captured on video. So I don't know if videos are really deterring people anymore. It seems like everybody has a, some kind of security system now, but people are still committing still these committing violent crime. crimes. Yeah, I, I don't know. i got to be honest. I don't know how anyone gets away with anything anymore. Right. I mean, there's the ring cameras on your doorbell. The city has cameras throughout the city. Businesses have cameras. ATMs have cameras. I mean, there are cameras everywhere. And it might take us a little while to locate a, a good video of you, but chances are very high that we're going to we're going to get it on video of you doing your your crime. And then we see law enforcement that will take that video or picture still from that video and put that on social media and ask for help from people to help identify and and a lot of times I mean we see people go, "Hey, I know that guy." Right. And and you know, within a matter of hours or a few days, you guys know who it is. Correct. I mean, that's just amazing. I mean, now now as we talk about community policing, that really seems to have affected policing in a positive way. That it almost feels like now you have more help in solving some things when you're able to do that sort of thing. And we need all the help we can get. We um, like the PACT meeting that we're both involved in. We need to get our community police together um, to fight these crimes as a community. And and that means you know giving information, helping. Um, you know, uh, identify people who have have done some of these things, and I know you mentioned PACT, and we are both involved with that, and it's a a, a really neat thing that uh, Chief McMillan has brought into our community, and, and there are several people involved with that. Um, but it it's going to take time to build all of that 
trust up, I guess, right, over, you know, with the community and different people in the community that they'll be willing to help out. And I know school resources is one of those ways, PACT is one of those ways, but that's really kind of your ultimate goal and, and the rest of the police force is to try to help build those relationships. Yeah, I think if we have – you cannot go wrong if you have your police and your community talking and doing the right things. It's going to make our town safer. It's going to make our community safer. You have to build that relationship with the police and the community and vice versa. I just I don't see a negative impact on that. Um, yeah, I, I can't either. And uh, I know it's a, a little uh, tougher sometimes. And I, what I mean by that is that you're from here, so you know a lot of people from here. I know a lot of people from here. Um, but sometimes police officers come in. Maybe it's a highway patrolman. Maybe it's a new officer who doesn't, who's just coming into our community. Uh, but that's really important. They build those relationships because they don't have the same local knowledge as we do. Correct. That's one of the things – well, while I was a field training officer, I was training new new people. I would get them out and meet in the meet in the community, because if they had somebody to go talk to from one part of the town or the other, at least they had a starting place to start talking to people. And if you didn't get out of your patrol car, didn't talk to people, that community is not going to talk to you. They don't they don't trust you because you haven't talked to them. Just pulling up and saying, "Hey, what's going on?" or how are you when you're working in your yard instead of just going there and trying to be a police and saying, hey, did you see see anything that happened over here? If you've never talked to that person before, they're probably not going to talk to you. And don't you think, too, I mean, and I think you really kind of said it there, but if you only talk to them when something's wrong, then they always will see the police as people that show up when only something's wrong and not just have interest in them or their day or anything at all. I mean, that, that, that's really the, the tough part of that, right? I think that's totally true. Um, I go get a soda several times a day at one of the gas stations. But, yes, I might be getting a soda, but I've talked to five or ten people while I'm in there. And it's about – it could be about nothing, but it's, hey, how are you? Or they might know that my kids play sports. Say, hey, how did that sport go this past weekend or last week? And it's never police talk about it's, hey, what's going on? It's just getting dialogue going between two people from the same town. And that helps me more than probably anything. I can just walk up and talk to probably anybody in town that I really want to. And we can have a conversation just because I've been here for so long. I'm from here. They recognize my face being in the schools. It's easy for me to get out and talk to people. It's almost like the principal. You know, if a kid only sees the principal when he goes, has to go to the principal's office, to, to, to them, that principal's a negative, right? Correct. But if they're able to see the principal outside of the principal's office or outside of the building even, that helps build a little different perspective of that, or perception, I should say, of that person. So the kid has a better relationship with the principal as opposed to what they had before. And I think you're seeing that in our in Sykes and school systems. Um, every grade, you see them just out and about in the hallway or in the cafeteria, and it's not just a negative effect of, hey, I need you to come to the principal's office. They can, I mean, yes, they have to be serious sometimes, but they can still joke around in the cafeteria or in the hallways with that kid. And I think that kid will understand it maybe as time goes on. Maybe they weren't just all mean. I mean, yes, they have the job to do just like the police have a job to do. Hmm. If I come there for some bad scene, I'm probably not going to say please and thank you every time I talk to you. If I tell you to get back, I need you to get back.
That's and it's really about people seeing beyond the badge that right. they're behind that badge as a person just like them that you can talk to that you can joke around with that you can have a conversation with and not just you know yes sir my hands are up kind of you know uh, type of interaction with someone. Correct. I I'm only a cop eight hours a day typically. The other sixteen hours a day I'm just Brent Mullen. I mean I don't. A lot of people call me officer even when I'm off duty. I think they do it out of respect, but I could care less if you call me officer. Or even when I'm in uniform, hey, Officer Mullen, no, you can call me Brent. I'm I'm a human being just like you are. This is just a profession I do. I have a job to do, and sometimes it gets, it gets nasty or bad from some of the scenes we just have to work. But we're still human beings. Yes, we make mistakes. Uh, there's not a person walking around that doesn't make a mistake. Well, Brent, thanks for being on the show. We really appreciate it. And, again, give your email address again in case somebody wants to get in contact with you for the Alice training. B. Mullen. It's B-M-U-L-L-I-N at Sykeston.org. All right. Brent Mullen with Sykeston Department of Public Safety, school resource officer, and now uh, Alice uh, trainer. We appreciate you being on the show. Don't forget to check out our Facebook page, like it, and tell us about some shows you'd like for us to do. And if you missed this show, we're just coming into the middle of it. Uh, you can find it on iTunes. Just search for The Talk of Sykeston. We'll see you next week on The Talk of Sykeston. I'm Glenn Cantrell.